0: Um. Okay, welcome to the Spiritual Awareness Step 11 Principle Meeting. My name is Cassandra, and I am a compulsive overeater and your leader for this meeting. Please join me in the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh, Before we get started, we ask that all cell phones or other electronic devices be turned off. To protect our anonymity, no photography, audio, or visual recording is allowed by OA members. This meeting is being recorded by Region 2. The opinions expressed here today are those of individual OA members and do not represent Region 2 or Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. The format for this one-hour session is as follows. I will read an excerpt from a piece of OA literature, share for 25 minutes, followed by three-minute shares from all those who wish to share. The topic for this session is Spiritual Awareness, Step 11, Principle. The following is a reading from, oops, uh, insert source and page, let's see, a, a a 12 and 12, page 97, and here it goes. The actual experience of meditation and prayer across the centuries is, of course, immense. The world's libraries and places of worship are treasure trove for all seekers. It is to be hoped that every OA who has a religious connection which emphasizes meditation will return to the practice of that devotion as never before. But what about the rest of us who, less fortunate, don't even know how to begin? Well, we might start like this. First, let's look at a really good prayer. We won't have to uh, have far to seek. The great men and women of all religions have left us a wonderful supply. Here, let us consider one that is a classic. Its author was a man who for several hundred years now had been rated a saint. We won't be biased or scared off by that fact, because although he was not a a compulsive overeater, he did, like us, go through the emotional ringer. And as he came out the other side of that painful experience, this prayer was his expression of what he could then see, feel, and wish to become. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace, that where there is hatred, I may bring love, that where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness, that where there is discord, I may bring harmony, that where there is error, I may bring truth, that where there is doubt, I may bring faith, that where there is despair, I may bring hope, That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted. To understand uh, than rather, I'm sorry, to understand than to be understood. To love than to be loved. For it is by self-forgetting that one finds. It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. Amen. As beginners in meditation, we might now reread this prayer several times very slowly, savoring every word and trying to take in the deep meaning of each phrase and idea. It will help if we can drop all resistance to what our friend says. For meditation, debate has no place we rest quietly with the thoughts of someone who knows so that we may experience and learn. As though lying upon a sunlight beach, let us relax and breathe deeply of the spiritual atmosphere with the grace of this prayer surrounds us. Let us become willing to partake and to be strengthened and lifted up by the sheer spiritual power, beauty, and love of which these magnificent words are the carriers. Let us look now upon the sea and ponder what its mystery is, and let us lift our eyes to the far horizon beyond which we shall see all those wonders still unseen. Shucks, says somebody, this is nonsense. It isn't practical. When such thoughts break in, we might recall a little... Ruefully, how much, uh, how much store we used to set by imagination, as if it tried to create reality out of eating. Yes, we, re- we reveled in that sort of thinking, didn't we? And, and though sober nowadays, don't we often try to do much the same thing? Perhaps our trouble was not that we used our imagination. Perhaps the real trouble was our almost total inability to point imagination toward the right objectives. There's nothing the matter with constructive imagination. All sound achievement rests upon it. After all, no man can build a house until he first envisions a plan for it. Well, meditation is like that too. It helps to envision our spiritual objective before we try to move toward it. I will now briefly qualify and share my experience, strength, and hope on this topic. Again, I'm Cassandra. I'm a compulsive overeater. And I've been abstinent abstinent seven years. And it'll be in August, uh, I've been going to meetings for eight years. And I've maintained a 30-pound weight loss in that time. And um, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot. And uh, when I was given this topic, it's funny because sometimes, I, for me in this program, a lot of times I'm presented with my character defects. And one of my character defects that I still work on is perfectionism. And I would think that in order for me to come speak to you about spiritual wellness and step 11, that I should be the female Buddha and Jesus Christ. And if not, I'm not of use to you. And I shouldn't be up here and shut up and sit down. And... Um, I had decided to come to this uh, meeting, and then I was asked to speak in my program. There's a lot of things I can't do, but when I can, I say yes, because I want to get better. And uh, so the thing that I have to offer is my experience, my true humble experience of being somebody that hates getting up in the morning. So I hate getting up in the morning and meditating. And when I first came in here and I heard people say that and I thought, well, I can't do that because i just, I'm a teacher and so already I'm in a profession where I have to get up. So I thought, I, I can't do that. And I have family in my, uh, people in my family that are practicing Buddhists that take meditation very seriously and in a way that I don't see fitting in my life. So, I was like, I came in with young children and working, and but the thing I knew and what got me to be will, my willingness is three things about uh, this step. And one is that um, it's a step. And what I was taught in program is steps are non-negotiable. That's the only way to do the program. That's the only way to recovery. So there's no, there's no reason to start having a dialogue of whether or not you're going to do a step or not because that's why I'm here. And uh, the second reason I had the willingness is I saw in the rooms the people that were willing to uh, develop spiritually were the people that were able to maintain their abstinence. And I've heard before that the first nine steps get you abstinent and the last three steps keep you abstinent. And I wanted what I saw other people have. And um, the last reason is it works. And it worked for me. And the more times I've experienced that uh, meditation and prayer as a regular part of my life, manifesting itself in better relationships with others, better me feeling the presence of a higher power, me not struggling in my program, not struggling with my food, made me want to reinforce uh, the practice. brief history I came into the program believing in God that wasn't a problem for me but believing in God didn't help me with my food at that point praying didn't help me with my food at that point and uh, getting abstinent started it and then when I was able to to uh, get abstinent and come to meetings I became more and more receptive to the prayer and meditation and I saw it in a much more interactive way um What that started out as is um, me being willing when I... Because I'm willing to do things when I'm in a lot of pain. And me being able to do uh, when I was frustrated and calling my sponsor and being directed to do prayer as writing to and from God. That was something I was willing to do. Uh, I was able to do my morning prayer right away. That was fine. I listened to a lot of people on their meditation. And I tried to copy a lot of people. Um... And I never kind of found something that sticked. But I wanted what they had. I went and bought a tape for this and, you know, a walking meditation and different things. And I really struggled with it. And what I kind of, um, I have a sponsor that's gentler on me than I am with me. And I thought when I got a sponsor, I'd have a uh, personal life coach that would whip me into shape. And one thing she said, well, can you, can you breathe? Can you do mindful breath? And so I'd pull up to work and I'd be in my car and I'd close my eyes and I'd be willing to do ten mindful breaths and be present. And I started doing that throughout the day. And it worked. It helped me. It helped me. And then I kept on um, wanting more. But I, one of the things that happened to me is... Uh, My sponsor, whenever I want to... I've gained some weight since I uh, was at my lowest weight. And I'll kind of go back to... Because not all of it was healthy weight loss. But I noticed the weight coming on. And my sponsor, darn it, she doesn't really want to talk to me about food programs or diets. She wants me to talk about the steps. Go back to the steps. Go back to the steps. And um, I kept on running to things, into literature and movies. And I really wanted the meditation. And what I found that really worked for me, that was livable... Which I could do imperfectly was, and I do it to this day. As I get up, and I'm not, I my husband is lovely. He brings me a cup of coffee, and I drink my half a cup of coffee, and I sit up in my bed, lotus style, and I say the Serenity Prayer, and I start saying um, the Third Step Prayer, and then I ask God to show me His will in the day, and for me to be receptive to that will. And then my meditation, and I don't know if this is because I'm an elementary school teacher or have little kids, it has to do with Sesame Street letters, or numbers, rather, and that my mind goes off all different directions, and I, what I do is I imagine either counting forward or backward to 20, and I imagine l- numbers floating in water, like those kind of foamy numbers they would have. And I imagine inhaling them and bringing them up and exhaling them and bringing them down. And I think the way why that's worked for me is because my mind just wanders. I need to be disciplined enough to, to hold it to something. And even though that doesn't sound very spiritual, what by the time I get to 20, then I'm still. And then I can let go of those images and I can be still. And a lot of days, all I can do is the counting. And that's my bottom line. My bottom line is that I have to sit and I have to count to 20 forward or backwards. And I have to be redirected a lot. Sometimes I get to three and then I'm off on what I'm going to have for lunch and all these kind of things. And what, I, what am I going to do with the day? And as it says in our 12 and 12 is I gently nudge myself back. And the part that I've gotten from the program that I wasn't ready to is I wasn't ready to do this unless I was going to do it perfectly. And every time I attempted it, I wasn't doing it perfectly. And so I just decided, "What? Why should I even do this?" Um, but once I became gentle with myself and kind of laughed at myself too, you know. I mean, I've heard this before today, just about parenting ourselves and speaking to ourselves the way we would. Expect a good parent to speak to a child, and um, I've got. I've learned a lot of that, and just uh, sometimes I do because I'll get to twenty, and I my mind was all over the place, and I have to start again. But I don't just because I go off a little bit. I don't do it at the beginning because um, what I feel is I don't want to interact with food before I meditate and pray. I just need because food has so many things with me. I have a little coffee, but I don't usually eat before I meditate and pray in the morning. And um, I have a very busy household and not a very big house. So if I don't do that before my kids wake up, and my my husband wakes up early, but he leaves me alone when he sees me in those positions, um, I have to close myself in the bathroom at my house because my kids are older, so they don't knock on the door when I'm in my bath in the bathroom. But they'll knock on my bedroom door or they'll, you know, come down. So if I don't get that done in the morning right away, I have to go to the bathroom and do it imperfectly, you know, just do it imperfectly. And um, one of the things I did want to share that when I came, when I thought about speaking today, I thought, what do I have to offer? I don't have it all together. I need to, you know, and one thing that... I have is my own experience. And one of the experiences I have um, is that I believe that I had a spiritual relapse in this program. I didn't have a physical. I didn't uh, break my abstinence. But I had something um, that really shook me, and that when I came into program and I started uh, working the steps and got abstinent, I was in a lot of pain at first while I'm getting the tools and all that kind of stuff, but I then I, you know, came easy and I was really enjoying it. And I, I remember telling my sponsor, "I feel bad, like something bad's going to happen because it's going so good." And she's like, "Don't worry, life will happen. Just enjoy this. You don't have to, you know, worry that just because uh, it's it's too good." And what happened to me? And it took me a while to recognize what was happening. But my younger son, who is doing great now, and he's 11 now, but while I was in program, and thank God for him and my husband that and myself that I was in program, but he was diagnosed with autism. But it wasn't a simple thing. It took a long time. And so not only was I very disturbed by that diagnosis, but I was very disturbed and disappointed in my reaction to it. I thought I should have been cooler with it and it should have been uh, not disturbing to me. And I, uh, after all that time in program, I still didn't recognize, I didn't, I didn't want to be sad, you know, and I had a lot of sadness that I was trying to just get through, get through, and something that I had felt that I had in the program was the promises. I, I had this experience in program where, you know, doing my modest meditation and my modest prayer and calling my sponsor and going to meetings, the answers were revealed to me. And before program, I was somebody that after uh, my day, you know, and step 10 where you review your day, I couldn't do that because I had so much regret. I wish I didn't say this. I wish I didn't do that. You know, it was all there. And... What I had experienced in program is that if I was quiet, the answer of what my part would, was in situations would come to me, and it came beautifully. I was very comfortable with that. And then, for reasons I don't completely understand, th- this diagnose- and I, you know, I'll tell you later a bit more. But this diagnosis really rocked me, and uh, I withdrew from my husband. And I couldn't sleep. And I had anxiety, and I was crying. And then I thought, I just need to work the program better. That's my problem. I need to work the program better. And I didn't feel connected to the answers. I was getting a lot of input because his diagnosis wasn't clear, and I got a lot of different input uh, from a lot of different people. And um, in my mind, what I, I wasn't okay that that was the way it is. It was confusing. And my lack of acceptance and wanting everybody to agree on something and everyone telling me that he has autism and this is what we're going to do just really blew me out of the water. And then the shame of my non-acceptance of his diagnosis that I should be a better person and more together just really, really humbled me. And um, I didn't know my part. And what I did with that is I kept coming to meetings. I kept calling my sponsor. And I didn't feel it. I didn't feel anything when I prayed. I didn't feel anything when I meditated. I just felt... I felt a lot in the room. And I felt... The other thing that I had is... I was somebody that felt more spiritually connected when things are going well. Like when I go out to the desert and I see a sunset, that, I feel God there. When I'm down... I don't feel God. And I, and I hear a lot of people, that that's when they feel more spiritual. I didn't feel that. I didn't feel that. I felt alone and confused. And what I did is I kept coming back and then I took the direction from my sponsor, my OA sponsor, to seek outside help, which I was completely offended at first. I thought, I just need to work harder and that it's a cop-out to, to do anything outside a program because it's worked for so many different parts of my life. So I did that, and slowly, and I kept on hearing things in meetings. And that's the thing that I also feel about meditation, is that when I interact with you, and when I interact with the world in and out of these rooms, I hear the answers from people. I hear the answers because my head is clear and ready to receive the answers. And I can really also... Uh, distinguish things that don't really have something to do with me or not a value to me at this time and I find the answers in, within you and so I kept on coming and, and for me the, being humble and that I couldn't get through a meeting without crying I was in a lot of pain and I didn't like going to a meeting and crying I liked to be happy and, and I wanted to be a poster girl for OA um, but that's my story and that I kept coming back, and then that connection, I, I got reconnected with my higher power, and I was able to hear what my part was. I was able to hear um, the part that I was powerless over and um, and realize that in this program, Um the things, you know, when I was working on the 11th Step, a lot I was looking through my 12 and 12, and a lot of the things I highlighted in uh, the book, and that I s- discussed in, with my sponsor and wrote about some of them, is that um, I travel a lot, and I go to my husband's from India, and I've gone uh, one, I think three times while I've been in program with in-laws, and it's, you know, with jet lag and all that stuff, and I'm able to to do my program. And one of the things it says in the 12 12 is it's one of the the great steps is that people might not always be available to me. I might not have, you know, sometimes I pack something wrong. I might not have access to my literature, but I can always, always have that uh, direct contact with my higher power through prayer and meditation, wherever I go. And, you know, I can be at not OA meetings, but other kinds of uh, organizations I'm part of, and I can just go there really quickly. And uh, just like a lot of the different habits that I've picked up in OA, the more I've done it, the quicker I can get there and the easier it becomes. And I can't say that I wake up and say I can't wait to meditate because I'm still not there, but I do, and it becomes just like other habits where your willingness to just go there becomes more automatic and it's not like, oh, do I want to floss my teeth? You just floss your teeth. And uh, the results are enormous. I went into, earlier this year, I guess in fall, I went into a long meditation one morning and then it was amazing because I was at a staff meeting where somebody reacted pretty hostily to me. And uh, and I know this person for years, and that's her thing. But I was able, because uh, I'm a fighter, my first thing is fighting has got me far in life, and it didn't get me anywhere with my food and didn't get me anywhere with my disease. But sometimes my first thing is to fight up and, you know, what's up, you're going to come after me? That's where I come from. And um, just letting that person say things that weren't true and just letting it come... And I just see those things, those miracles over and over. And it, one of the beauties of that kind of reaction when you have that in a room is that it really becomes obvious if you're not interacting with that person in that same level of aggression what's going on. And you don't have to say anything to anybody. So uh, i trying to think of something. Uh, What was I going to say? Hmm, I can't think of what I was going to say. But my program today, in certain ways, I've started the steps very slowly, and that was okay with my sponsor. So I dabbled in prayer and meditation before I actually did a study and writing and reading on it. And in some ways, I see that the others steps even though i i couldn't understand it at the time really helped build up so that i would be more ready for to fully implement or have the willingness to to uh strive for a conscious contact with god through prayer and my meditation and there was something about the way it's written and i you know just my perfectionism i think it it says something um let's see that sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact, to improve our conscious contact, and not master. And I thought, okay, well, if, if I was gonna speak to you, I would have to master that before I spoke to you, because most parts of my life, I think that, you know, and I, and, but it, uh, it didn't, that kind of thinking didn't get me very far in OA. And, away. and uh, I just realized that I'm here to serve, and I know that I have extra time, but I think. I don't know if we could go on to the sh- the open pitch right now. If that's all right, is that okay? Yeah. All right. Um, thank you. Okay. We will now have three minute shares. We ask those of you who wish to share to line up to my left. Please focus on the topic of our meeting and end your share at three minutes to allow for uh, time for all those who wish to share. Would anyone like to share? Yeah, you get
1: to do it in here so they can Hi, I'm Stephanie, a compulsive overeater. Hi, Hi, Stephanie. And thanks, Cassandra. Um, you know, my experience lately mm-hmm. has been that I've been in program for about four years, and, and I found that it was a lot easier, actually, at the beginning. I had more time on my hands, and but as... The promises have come true in obviously not the way that I want them to come true, but the way that that, that my higher power is planned, um, I've just gotten busier and busier. And so I've fallen off my meditation and prayer um, um, habit because without keeping it a habit. It's like anything with me. I'm going to, you know, it says in the big book we're an undisciplined lot and I'm an undisciplined person. And if I don't just do it, it's so, it's like going to the gym. It's like if you're in the habit of going to the gym, you go to the gym. And if once it's easy to get out of the habit. So I'm I'm grateful to hear this uh, because I, I, you know, I've, I've been in program long enough to know what works and prayer and meditation works. And um, for me, sometimes, you know, one thing that I've heard that's been useful is that um, prayer is kind of asking the question and meditation is being quiet enough to hear the answer. Um, And that's been really helpful for me. Um, My prayers are often just really short prayers. You know, the ones that I've heard are, you know, please help. Thank you. Um, please change my life in ways i can't imagine because the way i imagine it really was never you know i you know number one it's limiting and number two my thinking is never the right thinking um and and my experience too has been when i when i do do the meditation my day just goes so much better like it just always goes better. I've never had a day where I've done the prayer meditation, my day's gone worse. I I don't know, it just works that way. So you'd think I would just do it automatically. But in any event, but you know, it is progress, not perfection. And um, you know, and, and I do have um, some very specific meditations that I do, and I don't know if they would be helpful for anybody else. But you know, one of the things that was always when I came into program, you know, I had a lot of therapy. I knew what my problem was. My problem was I was unable to forgive myself for whatever crimes against humanity I thought I had committed, you know, which were really only crimes against myself. And uh, there's a Buddhist meditation that's very lovely that was really helpful to me that I heard about through program, which was to imagine that your baby or it works for anybody you're having struggling with if you're really just pissed off because i used to do this with my ex-husband i could never get him past a toddler but you know you're supposed to try to imagine the person as a baby And, and i'll wrap up and and it's very hard to harbor resentment toward a baby um so that's one meditation that i've found really useful i'll just say thank you okay
2: Hello, everybody. I'm Frank. I'm a composable reader. Hi, Frank. Um, spiritual awakening. Well, first of all, my spiritual practice is very s- sporadic. But when I do uh, meditate, um, I imagine a bowl, and I put a word in it. And I and somebody talked talked me into doing this. And I the word I always want is kindness. So I always imagine kindness, and I put kindness in the bowl, and I ima- and I meditate on kindness. And um, that works for me. Uh, cause I, I, I want to bring kindness into it. And if, you know, the noise happens or whatever happens and I lose that thought, I imagine the bowl again and I pull another, put another thing of kindness in it. And that's how I meditate. But the spiritual uh, awareness part came to me about three years into my program. I, I, about a little over two years, I'd lost about 90 pounds and I seemed to have stopped losing weight. And I didn't know what to do and I'd worked up the, you know, step nine And I was just going to meetings, and it felt like I I was just sitting there, and I didn't know what was happening, and I'm going, well, is this it? I'm going to lose this weight? This is like a diet. You know, what's happening to me? And so I started praying on it. They said, pray. And I prayed to my higher power to give me some kind of sign. Why am I in OA? And I kept praying that. And almost a year later, it happened. I went to a, a workshop down in Orange County, and... Um, it was a half-day thing, and somebody was talking, and I felt totally disconnected to everything, but I was there because my sponsor said, go do this stuff kind of stuff. And at the end of the meeting, I stood up, and there was I, I really didn't know anybody there. And I saw one person in the back that I knew from the South Bay area where I'm from, and I went over and gave this woman a hug. And then I left. And about three weeks later, I heard her share. And this is what she said. She said that... I was ready to stop going into OA, that I had thought my, that there was nothing in this meeting for me anymore, and I was ready to quit, and so I just, I said to God, this is what she said, she prayed to God and asked, you know, give me some kind of sign, should I be here or not, and right when I prayed that thing, this guy came up and gave me this hug, and tears started coming down my face because it was my answer to my prayer too because now I know I'm there. Sometimes I'm not there for anything for Frank. I'm just there to go and greet somebody in the back and give them a hug. And I realize there is a reason and there is a spiritual thing that goes on in these rooms that I have no idea why it works sometimes. But I know that I can just sit in the room and somebody can get something for me being there or going up and shaking hands or giving somebody a hug at the end. And so it happens, And I and I was very fortunate to feel that one day and i you know that lady and me is still going and I'm just cr- great grateful that I'm here so thank you for letting me share.
0: Would anyone else like to share? Excuse me. For the people that just came in that uh it's step 11, spiritual awareness. And so it's open pitch right now. Okay. Okay, come
3: on up. Hi, I'm Blanca, composer, eater. And um, I came to this uh, special uh, w- uh, spiritual awakening because. Um, I always felt or feel, still feel like, uh, what is this got to do with God if I go to church and, you know, and I pray, but maybe I don't know how. I don't know how to meditate, so it's really good to hear from you all the uh, the information that I'm getting. And, and just forgive me because English is my second language, and I try to, you know, put words for you to understand. But anyways, um, yeah, I had... To come to this, this at this time, for this spiritual spiritual awakening, because I'm thinking like, is it this part of the program that? Because I heard before, you know that you have to work the program at three levels, and one of them is the spirituality, spiritual. And and I'm thinking, but what is it wrong with me? Why God doesn't listen to me if I if I go to church and pray? And, but I just heard from Cassandra, thanks for sharing that uh, going to church and praying doesn't help. But it um, uh, doesn't help to get rid of that overeating. And so over the years coming to the program, I heard that I have to do the footwork. And um, But going back to this spiritual part, um, uh, uh, let me see. See, I'm trying to put words together. <laughs> um, the uh, spiritual awakening... Uh, that's probably what I need because, yeah, I heard before that you have to work this program um, three levels. And I always have the desire to um, to meditate. And I just, I don't know how. You know, I... <laughs> and I've been through so many things of learning that one time I heard that... Um, I don't know, you know, to be honest, I don't remember what kind of meditation would lose your mind. <laughs> and I said, no, I better not meditate, you know, so that, you know, it takes me in fear. I don't know what kind of meditation. But anyways, I said, I'm already crazy enough to get more crazy. Than you. <laughs> but anyways, um, the thing here is, um, you know, it's just, a, this is a simple program for difficult people I guess and I am one of them because I'm very analytical you know it's like I want a recipe and I want you to taste it and to see if it's good so that I can do it if not I don't do it. it's just like so much and it's probably you know unconsciously arguing with God um, but one thing that I realized was why do I keep going back you know I don't think it is just because they, they say to me or to you or we all hear keep coming back keep coming back Um and and then one of the things that I realized that I keep coming back is because if I can't work the program the program works me on the emotional part and on the um, and I'll be done in a minute um, because emotion I go meetings I go to meetings and I lose it I, I you know lose my abstinence I get my abstinence so many sponsors but the thing is um, I'm able to um, to sleep good Although I'm going through so many problems, you know, my kids have addictions. And this and that and that life is just so overwhelming to me. And just by going to meetings, I think the program works me even though I can't work the program. So that was like, okay, you can work me and God is there waiting for me until probably I do what I have to do, you know, the part, the spiritual part. So I am learning and it's a process. And thanks for being here for me. Thank you.
4: I am Natalie, Compulsive Overeater. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I don't really know what I'm going to talk about, but I'm just going to claim my right to be here. I'm a Compulsive Overeater. and um, Spiritual awareness for me, um, I would say I've been in and out of these rooms for many, many years, and I have a little over eight months of abstinence. And I think when I became abstinent back in October, the end of October, that, um, that it wasn't me, that it was, it wasn't me. Um, I finally got honest and open and willing to do something that I had been terrified to do, and that was to give up some foods that didn't work for me. And, um... You know, I knew they didn't, and I used to complain about them and suffer as a consequence of um, that compulsion with them. And um, for some reason, you know, I'd ha- ha- I can only say it's like a spiritual um, experience. I was willing to give, it, give up sugar and some other foods. You know, I just started for a week, and um, it wasn't... It wasn't like any effort, it wasn't any like controlling. It was the decision was made, and then I was just doing it one day at a time, and I'm still doing it. And um, so, one of the things that I work on is uh, my conscious contact with my higher power, and I could go. You know, I know to, no, I have noticed that I could go a whole day without having. Like, just being so busy and focused on my work and doing, 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 that, like, God is nowhere, you know. In my mind, it's just me, you know, like, doing, doing. And um, so I, I had to do something practical to kind of stop what I was doing so I could think about, okay, you know, think about my higher power. And so I, I had to set alarms on my phone at certain periods throughout the day, like every couple hours, to remind me to stop, and, um, you know, it could be like a a 10, 12 to whatever, and um, it was a time for me to breathe, to stop, get away from my computer, close my eyes, and just breathe, and sometimes it would just be about breathing, like in and out, with nothing else going on, and other times it was... Thank you God, thank you God, thank you God, thank you God, just for this moment. or you know it was about other gratitudes and um, and then back to whatever I was doing. and that really helps it helps me to stay to have that connection. And um, other than that, my morning routine is, you know, I'm reading, writing, um, emailing my sponsor, my food. And, like, through that whole process, I feel like it's a spiritual, you know, it's a spiritual process. Um, And, um, yeah, I think that's all I have to say. Thanks.
5: Say, I woke up. <laughs> Change your name. <laughs> there you go. Hi, I'm Mary and I'm a compulsive eater. Hi Mary. I've been in the program for 30 years. I came and left for a lot of years before that, and I bought the big book, and I gave it to other people in my family because they needed help, but I didn't need any. I ate myself into 275 pounds. That's pretty pathetic. In my 30s, I'm now 69. So that's part of where my story is. I've never That's God's gift to me is I've never left recovery. But some of it's pretty funny. I mean, I think today is funny. And one of the things that happened, you know, we have this monkey mind that doesn't shut up. It just goes on and on, and I don't have it like it used to be. And I remember one day I was so sick of it. I slapped myself so hard that I left a hand for And it's like, what are you doing? And I was very grateful. I realized later, I'm left-handed. I hit myself with my right hand. I would have really hurt myself if I had used my stronger hand. So I didn't do that. And this is what started happening. And I know that was God's grace for me. What happened was the clarity came, because we intuitively know what to do. That's a guarantee here. You will eventually know what to do. Is I started, what I did with my mind, I fought my thoughts. I fought them, and I started agreeing with them, and I would say to my mind, it looks like you're a little bit crazy, but i don't think I was crazy. I would say, Thank you for sharing. Come back at five o'clock and we 'll talk about this and you know what? It eventually stopped it never got so loud again, and it is very rare that my mind's out of control, and the meditation that that is such an issue for everybody and today it's part of my life, but you set a timer, and, and it's hard to sit your butt in a chair for one minute and stop, and if you can only do one minute for a year, that's the beginning. Be gentle with yourself to find something to do it, and I've had a lot of experiences, and meditations here were just have been incredible for me. Uh, I want to share also about the meditation. My mom's 88 years old now, and my mom was a very poor mother in so many ways, and I I didn't care if my mother lived or died. That's how bad my relationship with her. And I had to be told, honey, you wouldn't be here if she didn't birth you. Oh, darn. And that was where I had to start. So it evolved for me with a tremendous amount of work with her. But one of the gifts I had, I took her to the Buddhist temple that's near me. Every Sunday for 10 years we went. And my mother changed But I had already been doing that. So obviously both of us. I did a lot of writing for day in and day out for three years. I didn't talk to her. But the family could see a change in this woman. And my mom came from a really bad place. And she didn't have any skills really to give us kids either. And that's what meditation does. And she meditates now. And her whole persona changed. As old as she was, this was probably maybe 15 years ago. She was in her 60s. And that's a miracle. But don't leave here, because I have never had perfect absence. I like to get up and say, and it's hard for me, like last night, when they talk about people who have been in recovery for 30 years, I can't get up and say that I've got 30 years of absence, because I don't. And it doesn't feel good. And so I can't beat myself up. I have to accept my reality. But God's grace for me is I've never left. And I always tell new people, don't leave here. But my experience is you have to work your ass off if you want this. And I call it recovery 101. If you sit in a meeting and that's all you think you have to do, that you're going to get zapped well or you're going to... I lost 125 pounds. And i do I have minute or two? I lost my abstinence almost two years ago, and I didn't have a clue why. I came from a lot of crap as a child, molestation, all that stuff that many of us we put that weight on so young It's a protection. And what happened for me, it happened in August. I lost it. And I, I had a long a lot of years with it. And I didn't know what happened. I got down to a number that I had never had any memory of. It was 150 and a half. And That was one of them, and I didn't know until February what had happened. I had no clue why I had lost it, but I kept coming back and doing the best I could and working the program and doing the steps and doing everything, and I believe that was God's grace. I finally knew it. So it was the number that had done me in. And the other thing, oh, Galvis, one of my best friends in the program, we've been friends for years, we're at a meeting, and she yells across in front of everybody. Maybe she didn't. That's what I heard. She says, oh, my God, you've got a waistline. For somebody like me with I my history, that put me back in the shell. Because I want to be invisible. And I've had to learn not to be invisible. And Owe taught me how to stand up in front of a, a crowd. I had the privilege when Owe was 25 years old, we were at Disneyland Hotel. And I led a panel of some of the people that were pretty powerful in those days. And you learn to get a voice here. It's amazing what happened. I ended up in a profession. I got to go back to school here. It was, never would have happened to me if I hadn't been in recovery. And I know it. I absolutely know it. Don't leave if you're even whatever. There's nowhere for us to go with this. And it is an addiction. It's a disease and an addiction. This is our hope. And this is where it happens.
0: Would anyone else like to share? Okay, it's now time to close this session. Thank you to all who attended and shared. After a moment of silence, please join hands as we close with uh, the Serenity Prayer.